I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. Thanks to the app called Neighbors by Ring for supporting Mueller, she wrote. So if you want to see what's going on in your neighborhood, text AGPOD to the number 555-888 to download the Neighbors app today. That's AGPOD to 555-888. And thanks to Everlane for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Would you buy a shirt for $50 that you knew only cost $7 to make? We wouldn't either. And with Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. And right now you can check out their personalized collection at everlane.com AG and you'll get free shipping on your first order. And thanks to Figs for supporting Muller, she wrote. Figs is an amazing company that makes stylish and functional scrubs for people who deserve it the most. Figs is offering you 15% off your first purchase by using our code AG at wearfigs.com. This is Greg Oliar, the author of Dirty Rubles, and you're listening to Muller, she wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have, not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Jaleesa Johnson Hello. and Jordan Coburn. Hello. Thank you to Seattle again for the mm-hmm. warm hospitality and for sharing your amazing city with us. We had such a good time when we were there. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that city. I want to live there one day. I definitely do want to move there someday. It didn't work out this time, but I, th- I think at some point in my life, I definitely want to live there. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. neat there. And everyone's just playing good music all the time. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a really good music town. And they're like hipsters, but they're not annoying about it there. Right. They're just like, this is how we live. Mm-hmm. You and know? everybody's good looking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not in like an LA way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just good-looking people. Yeah, 100%. yeah. Anyway, thanks, Seattle. <laughs> uh, we do have another podcast, a daily morning news show called The Daily Beans. So please subscribe to that. We'll be pulling it out of the Mueller she wrote feed soon, and we don't want you to think we disappeared. Uh, we also have a special series unpacking the redacted Mueller report page by page that comes out Thursdays. So check that out as well. And if you follow Daily Beans on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod. You'll be automatically entered to win dinner with myself and our network CEO for you and a friend. And we will fly to your city anywhere in the lower 48. And we'll be picking a winner once we hit 20,000 followers. So follow us at Daily Beans Pod. Uh, You will be glad you did. So this is a heavy news week. Um, we, We have a packed show, including an interview with former U.S. attorney and deputy assistant attorney general. Uh, who now hosts the Talking Feds pod, Mr. Harry Littman. Uh, He'll be joining us, and we have a lot to cover. But first, my favorite segment, Corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. (laughs) 
So Jonathan Edmonds says, in response to an episode of Daily Beans this week, in today's Beans, AG expressed frustration with Apple over refusing to unlock iPhones. This is, I think, in reference to the San Bernardino terrorist incident. The FBI wanted help unlocking the device and Apple refused. The reporting on this case was never fair. Apple will always respond to a warrant and share iCloud backups, but they won't share tools for cracking iPhones. So if the FBI had brought the phone to an Apple store, it would have backed up to iCloud and Apple would have provided the data. Hmm. So you get that FBI? Just go to the Apple iStore. It's that easy. Yeah. Interesting. Apple store. They don't call it the iStore, do they? I don't think so, but they should. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't they? What the Wow. Like the Apple Watch? Yeah, they just like to mix it up every now and then. Yeah, that's true. It's not called the iWatch. Yeah, that's that's creepy. Yeah. iWatch. (laughs) (laughs) They might have actually just nicked it. Yeah, they were like, that's not going to work for next year. Yeah, yeah. That's bad. This way it's just a piece of fruit that has eyes. I can't remember the comedian, but he's like, I wonder if they will make the Apple eye patch. (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) Just a patch shaped like an apple for pirates. Apple pirates. Um Breno the Seppo says Trump steaks were sold exclusively at the Sharper Image and QVC home shopping networks. So, so weird. Yeah. You couldn't get them. It wasn't really a correction, just a, hey, didn't you know? There you go. I didn't even know they sold food. No. And that's weird, right? Yeah. Just massage chairs. They shouldn't sell food. I think that's the point, right? It's like, that can't be good next to the, yeah. The, what are they? They had things that you just had to get, but never would have thought about getting it until you went into the Sharper Image. Right. right. And they're also like, like $9 million. Dollars. Yeah. Right. Right. Right yeah. next to that. If I... If I had to think of the least innovative food in the world, it would be steak. <laughs> <laughs> Which thing doesn't belong? Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's what they're selling. It's the Makes least no sharp sense. image. Yeah, maybe like <laughs> Beyond Burgers or something. That would make sense. It's impossible oh. meat yeah, or whatever. Yeah, some freaking meat you grow in your sink. Right, or but a burger is... alarm clock that also is a bank somehow. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah that image. you can only use in one of their uh, patented massage chairs. Yes, <laughs> and if it gets wet, game over. <laughs> Uh, Annie Riley says Arab versus Arabic. Uh, in Chapstick Insecure, <laughs> AG mentions the, the Arabic polling stations in Israel. Arabic should only be used in uh, referring to the Arabic language. Arab should be used basically anywhere else. Arab food, Arab people, Arab neighbors, etc. So I didn't know that. So good. Thank you for telling me. Cool. Uh, and nobody sent the memo to uh, Rudy Giuliani about the Ukraine. No, he did not. I heard that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, oh, oh, oh. I know. Yeah. I caught it too. I was did wondering. Yeah. If our listeners hadn't told us, I wouldn't have known. So I imagine a lot of other people probably don't think about it. But I was like, oh, okay, Rudy. Mm-hmm. Go, Rudy. <laughs> uh, no, he I, said the Ukraine, right? He did, yeah. He did. Okay, okay. So don't, don't go. Don't do that. Uh, yeah, don't go, Rudy. Uh, she, she also says, I will note that most Arabs identify more with their nationality or tribe than their race. So it may be better to say Palestinian polling stations. It also, uh, It's also important to remember that Arabs in the West Bank can't vote. Only those in Israel can. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Just like that. Yep. So close. Uh, Leonard Grossman says, if a Supreme Court justice is impeached, that would end his life tenure. I say he because I can't imagine either of the women on the court ever being impeached. I think there's three. Uh, justices can and do sit from time to time on lower courts. Uh, I believe even some retired justices have done so. Their pay continues after they retire for, for SCOTUS, by the way. But if impeached, their pay stops. This is true for both SCOTUS justices and judges on the lower federal courts. Hmm. So thank you. Cool. Um, Diana T. and Jeff Tolan say, I've heard you say twice that there's only foreign emoluments uh, in the Constitution, but there's a domestic emoluments clause as well. We've, we corrected this during Daily Beans, but mm-hmm. I wanted to bring it up uh, in this show, too. In your last Beans podcast, you discussed the issues of U.S. Air Force uh, stays at the Trump Turnberry Hotel. 
you briefly mentioned the emoluments clause, then dismiss it because the clause you thought only applied to foreign governments. But there is a second emoluments clause, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 7, which limits the president's salary and says the president cannot receive any other emoluments from the United States. Hmm. So the issue remains alive. Um, A.W. also pointed this out, saying the crew case that we discussed is a domestic emoluments case. That's so so cool. Mm -hmm. I think our fans are are just the smartest people ever because, like, they're so detailed with their sources that sometimes I think Mueller is secretly correcting us or something, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, Article A, Section I'm like, whoa. Sometimes I think they're the source. They're the Mullers. Like, they just knew. They just knew. Yeah, very intelligent. Um, I'm all for it. Hey, school me. Yeah, they blow me away. Uh, and those are this week's corrections. If you have any corrections, head to the uh, com, click on contact and select corrections. Let us know if you want to remain anonymous. Otherwise, I'll shout you out and we'll get it right eventually. Nice. That was one of the our more relevant correction segments. Yes. There yeah. was a legal correction in there. Yeah. I Usually it's about like colors and pronunciation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> those are fun too. GIF or GIF. Yeah. <laughs> That's still ongoing. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's funny when it comes up on Twitter too, because people will die on that hill. Oh, they will. Yeah. All right, let's uh, jump into the news. Time for just the facts. So the whistleblower scandal has been unfolding all week, and I will go over that in hot notes. uh, So stick around for that. And we also have Harry Littman, who's going to talk about legal remedies um, for for the whistleblower complaint to come to light or to get to Congress. So Mm -hmm. definitely uh, stick around for that. Uh, Last week, we learned that the Manhattan District Attorney, Cy Vance, had subpoenaed eight years of tax returns from Trump uh, and his accounting firm, Mazars. Not from Trump directly, but from his accounting firm, Mazars. Uh, This is in relation to the hush money payments because the DA is investigating whether the Trump organization or its executives broke New York state law when they falsified their business records to show they paid Cohen for legal work as opposed to reimbursing him for making hush money payments to Trump's campaign. Uh, Well, to the mistresses, which helped Trump's campaign. Mm -hmm. It's what Cohen's in jail for right now. But this week, as expected, Trump is suing to block that discovery. And the court put a temporary restraining order on Mazars to prevent them from handing over the information until the matter is resolved in court. Uh, Trump's argument is that because the president can't be indicted, he can't be subject to the criminal process to include (laughs) subpoenas. Uh, And they're basing this argument on the Federal Office of Legal Counsel memo that disallows the indictment of a sitting president. This is exactly what Mueller argued in his report, Mm -hmm. saying that federally he could not draw a traditional prosecutorial conclusion about obstruction of justice because given that Trump can't be indicted, it is unfair to accuse him of a crime because, one, he doesn't have the traditional criminal process to defend himself through, and two, because doing so could taint future prosecutions that he would otherwise be subject to, meaning when he leaves office. So Trump is using Mueller's argument to protect himself, and I feel dirty about it. Yeah. Um, but this is a state case, and it's not subject to the federal office legal counsel memo. Uh, I'm certain the court will, will order the taxes or the you know the documents be handed over from Mazars. But in his filing, Trump also said that his crimes can't be investigated because he's the president. Um, you're what? <laughs> you're what? Yes. Crimes. You're what, That's you're, a very interesting observation there, A.G. Your what can't be investigated? Mm-hmm. Who would say that? A who criminal? Would say a criminal that? would say that. That's who would say that. <laughs> you can't investigate my murders because I didn't murder. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's just not how it would come out even by accident. I know. I, at least not in most cases. Trump, eh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Special yeah. case. You know, I would think they would have gone with some other arguments first. <laughs> Maybe just not to jump to the thing who only has any legitimacy in the realm of this one memo. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. you're going down. That's basically 
the two options there. It's so, that's just, you can't investigate my crimes. You're what? <clears throat> um, Unbelievable. On an, on an interesting <laughs> note, in a letter to the judge from the DA, it appears to be signed by Christopher Conroy, the chief of the Major Economic Crimes Bureau, which investigates complex crimes committed in the financial sector, including securities and investment fraud, money laundering, and terrorism financing. So this isn't just Cy Vance going after Trump. This is the Major Economics Crime Bureau, Economic Crimes Bureau going after the Trump Organization. And this might not be just about the hush money payments. So as we know, investigations start, and as they uncover things, they investigate more things. Mm-hmm. You don't start an investigation unless you're special counsel yeah. with a limited scope and an end. Yeah, like maybe tax evasion for decades and decades and decades. Oh. Yep, or... Um, <clears throat> terrorism financing uh, in, through your hotel at Azerbaijan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, in, in money laundering, mm-hmm. uh, I think 84% of Trump properties purchased are flagged for money laundering potential. <laughs> it's the only laundering and he'll do himself. <laughs> just just in Florida, it's yeah. Not, it's just so close. I had to try to force that pun. He, 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 he's so privileged he hires a maid to launder his money. Right. Keep it separate <clears throat> from the whitey tidy. Yeah. <laughs> just damp dollar bills on a clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The new that one. happened once in Hawaii. Oh. <laughs> Someone cleaned and dried money on a no, clothesline? My husband went snorkeling with his money, and oh. so he had to pin it up on the clothesline in the shower afterwards. Dude, that's so like, fish were like, like make baller. It rain. Yeah. yeah. That's how my money feels every time I walk outside for more yeah. than 10 minutes and it's in my back pocket. <laughs> That's great. You want some gummy bears? They're real warm and soft. Yeah, it's really disgusting. They're in my pocket. Uh, so anyway, put some beans on that. I think this could go elsewhere. Uh, I don't think it's just limited to the hush money payments. Um, and Mitch McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow, the Transportation Secretary, is under congressional investigation for using her position in the government to enrich herself and her family, specifically her father. So we'll keep an eye on that investigation for you. Gosh, what do you got, 48? Which committee is investigating her? Uh, I think it's the Oversight Committee. Nice. The itty-bitty-titty uh, committee. I'm sorry. <laughs> the itty-bitty-titty committee. Uh, I, I'll double check. Um, but I, I think yeah. it's the oversight committee. I'm the president of that committee, by the way, not the oversight. <laughs> the other one. The yeah. first thing I did after you said that was look at your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> look away. I was no, like, no. I mean, I was like, like look I kind of forget. I haven't looked in a while. Are, yeah. are they? Are, does she belong to that? They're club? barely there, but a picture would last long. <laughs> My eyes are up here. <laughs> um, and. And you guys still no word on the McCabe case. The last thing we heard is the grand jury was recalled. Uh, the Department of Justice refused to drop the case. Uh, you know, McCabe filed an appeal to have the charges dropped, and, and they said no, uh, and indicated that he would be indicted. But then the grand jury did not return an indictment that day, which is normal in these cases. Uh, we know that two line prosecutors left the case and quit the Department of Justice because they disagreed with the way the case was being handled. And we're watching the story closely. We'll keep you updated as it happens, uh, either on this podcast or on the Daily Beans, because uh, you, you, if you, you can't wait until next Sunday to find out what happens during the week. There's that other podcast for you. Uh, and Steve is back in the news, and he has a link to Epstein vis-a-vis Epstein's creepy modeling scout, Jean-Luc Brunel, co-founder of the Next Management Corporation. Mnuchin, Steve, uh, was listed as the company's New York Department of State point of contact, meaning he would have handled the company's registration of papers and answered any lawsuits. Steve says he has no idea he was the point of contact. It's like your emergency contact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all of a sudden, I don't know, Jesse Egan gets yeah. called. You got to come to the hospital. AG's in the hospital. She put you down as the emergency contact. What? I don't Why? I don't remember that. Right? What? I didn't know we were that serious. I'm Jesse Egan. What's happening? <laughs> He'd be there. He's a sweetheart. Oh, he would totally yeah, yeah. go. Oh, very but, good point. But he would have been surprised. That is true. Yes, he would have been. And now I'm going to change my emergency contact. <laughs> <laughs> the people can't know. 
<laughs> oh no, I'm gonna, it's going to have to be somebody else now. Damn it! So, um, if it really was, that's really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the greatest. Yeah, and and so that's what's going on. He's he, everyone is linked somehow to Epstein. It's gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is very gross. And we talked about this in the Daily Beans, I think. But the fact that he didn't know that he was listed as the emergency contact is in my opinion a testament to how close they actually were because only if you're super super tight with someone would you just put them on there <laughs> in the hypothetical world where no, he's telling the truth you're totally and he didn't right. know you're totally right yeah it's like who do i put as my point of contact for you know new york state department <clears throat> who's going to yeah. handle and answer all lawsuits for my modeling agency because i'm sure there's never any lawsuits to come out of modeling agencies right <laughs> how about my estranged friend who yeah. if asked that I'm looking for them will oh, say, yeah. who's that? It's like, obviously, friends. that's not what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And it is true. Steve did say that he is good friends with Faith something or other, one of the co-founders. I can't remember her name. Mm-hmm. Oh. Faith Keep. Mm-hmm. Faith, 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 mm. right. two, faith. I believe it. Yeah. Two monosyllabic names, and one of them is Faithy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we also have this week former KGB chief Kalugan. Uh, has, oh, that's yeah. too easy. Mm-hmm. Kalugin has told reporters that he has seen an extensive compromise dossier on Trump as the Kremlin or at the Kremlin. And Dmitry Symes, <clears throat> who made his stunning debut in the Mueller investigation when he wrote part of Trump's Mayflower speech, had arranged for models to engage in sex acts, sex acts with Trump during his visits to Russia. And he even alleges that Trump met both of his wives this uh-huh. way. Wrong. No collusion. Jesus. No collusion. Yeah. <laughs> totally exonerated. This is, yeah, this is crazy that he has to fight every single rumor. And I say rumor loosely. We know most of it is true. But just he's fighting everyone from every angle here. Yeah. And the Steele dossier has it in there. And nothing in Steele dossier has been yet disproven. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we've got and we know Russia does this with rich, uh, particularly Americans. Uh, yeah. They have a history of it. They're it's, not really his friends. It's well known. True. But also, it's, does he think they have his back? Like, I used to think he was going to flee to Moscow if he had to. I don't know if they'll welcome him. I don't know. Either. Snowden's there, but I don't think they like Trump as much as they like Snowden. <laughs> Nobody does. Yeah. No, I do think that there was like a sort of sense that they were besties right and in some senses they obviously were and still are but i do think that it's a much more complicated relationship yeah, like, like a falling saying. out perhaps yeah. Yeah, well, yeah or just more so like they're both just people that are going to do whatever they have to do to get whatever they want yeah yeah I, I imagine it like a like my junior high crush on ian fallon <laughs> like we're going to be together one day and we're going to get married and have babies and like i would write my name like with his name on the notebook. I just picture that Trump doing that with Putin. Like, remember when he yeah. texted before the Miss Universe pageant, like, maybe I'll meet Putin, maybe he'll be my best friend. I Who remember, knows? yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that story I was telling <clears throat> you all about once when uh, it's like a game where you're on like a jungle gym and you have to like push everyone off until you're the last person standing. Mm-hmm. And me and my boyfriend at the time were playing the game and we're like teaming up, right? And we're like just <laughs> kicking ass, just like yeah. fucking boom, 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 just knocking people down. <laughs> and then immediately my boyfriend knocks off the third to last person and without even missing a beat, pushes in the same lunge, pivots and pushes <laughs> me off. Like immediately. He didn't, he didn't blink yeah. the same breath. I was like, oh, Dude, you learned God. a valuable lesson that day, didn't you? Right. And yeah. I think that that's what Trump and Putin are. Yeah. <laughs> Dating. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, MBZ jumps up on the jungle gym and shakes hands and high fives. Yeah, and he then gets a points and laughs at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He gets a, what do you call it? One of those saws and just takes the whole thing down. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's like, saw. "Haha, yeah, jokes yeah. on you! I changed the rules already." <laughs> yeah, I'm allowed to come back the up whole here. Thing. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. that's too too soon. No, 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 that, no. That's an awful. I like it. I'm a fan. Yeah, thank you. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, of the joking to cope 
element, not the uh, unfortunate murder of an of course. innocent journalist. I know you just wanted to put that out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, of course. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we need to qualify that, but <laughs> good statement anyway. Yes. Totally, totally. Uh, the State Department's top official, this is not the New York State Department where Steve was the point of contact for next management, next, what is it? I don't know, management company, next management company. Next management company. That's hardcore because they're probably just like, next. Next. Oh my <laughs> God. Not their name. Oh God. <laughs> I know. Like you go on a go see and you walk halfway and they're like, next. Yep. Next. Yep. Way to go, dude. Wig. <laughs> next. <laughs> That's why it's called Next Management. Yeah. That's incredible. We manage They're, what's next. Yeah. When you're told next. Wow. Mm-hmm. They broke off and made another company called Fat Management Company. I was going to say <laughs> they had something stupid like, ah, too thin, too, yeah. too big, like all these, yeah, next, <laughs> fat. <laughs> oh, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> God, what if he met his wives that way? Ugh. It's fucking essential. It's so it's, awful. Yeah, it's, it all it's makes sense. really awful. Sorry, that was a weird segue. Uh, the state. <laughs> I love it. Tangent, not segue. Yes. Tangent. Yes, tangent. Is there some weird rideable uh, motorized vehicle called a tangent? Mm. There should be. There should be. Because the segue's lame. Yeah. We need a tangent. The segue's very lame. <laughs> but yeah, wait, what's the bike? Jump bikes? Tandem. tandem oh, tandem bikes. Tandem bikes. Yeah, that's what Poot and Trump would be on, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They would. Mm-hmm. And they would sing that song together, too. Yep. Riding off the edge of the earth. <laughs> yeah. I imagine they have flat earthers for supporters, so yeah. well, who knows? Cats have been... would have knocked everything off the edge by then. <laughs> <laughs> and then just stare at you, like, what? Yeah. And then the, and then the glasses would come down, and you would hear... <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So the State Department, our official United States State Department's top official for arms control is leaving, according to a statement from Mike Pompeo. Her official title is the Undersecretary for Arms Control and International Security, and her name is Andrea Thompson. This isn't the first time you've heard her name on our show. She's had 25 years of military experience, and she joined the State Department in June 2018. And prior to that, she was Pence's national security advisor. But over the summer, she came under fire after Washington Post uh, reported her ties to Paul Erickson. That's, you know, one of Maria Butina's boyfriends. Uh, Do you you remember that? It It was during a Daily Beans update for patrons before the Daily Beans show came out. Um... And Erickson officiated at her wedding. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that story? I do remember this story. This is the lady. She's going. She's leaving. Hmm. Uh, she oversaw the U.S. withdrawal from the 1987 Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, or INF, with Russia, signed by Reagan and Gorbachev. So she go bye bye. All right. Poof. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that it's it's interesting when when Devil's Mermaid pops up out of nowhere. You know? mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yeah, she's just been everywhere. Majestic. It's like, how oh, much? we got a sighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is she? How do you think she is now? How do you think she's doing? Mentally, she's still in jail. Yeah. yeah. Probably not the best. I'm surprised she's not talking to the media more. Yeah. I wonder when she gets out. Right. Mm. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember what her sentencing was. She probably has a super gag. Order. I thought that she was gonna get time served they yeah but they gave her 18 full months yeah and, and eh, yeah so she had to serve a few more months she might be done by now yeah no but i, I feel like we would have heard is. of that that yeah. would have been a headline like maria left mm-hmm. and then there would be video in russia of her getting off the plane and something <laughs> terrible happening God, yeah probably. like when uh nastia ribka got back yes. from the thai jail yes and we're like oh god but then she got out and she went to spooky belarus i think very spooky yeah so many maria parodies i want to do about her i keep thinking of carlos santana's you could do the maria or butina the same amount of syllables if you're singing it in your head 
It works. I'm thinking Sound of Music. Oh, okay. What do you do that with a Russian like Maria? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> or there's one from um, I Want to Live in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. West Side Story. West Side Story. Absolutely. Yes. I love anyone. If you have Maria references, you think just the title of an idea, just throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that stuff. Just don't touch the Ave Maria. Yeah. Okay, that is sacred. I will <laughs> That's give what it. I was just singing in my head. Yeah. And it's in Latin, so it wouldn't make any sense. Beyonce anyway. did a cover. I'm, I'm oh, so shit. impressed that she, she was good. Really? She pulled it off in French. Was it, was it Latin or what was the French or what? Latin? Latin. Yeah, she sang it in the oh. original language. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yes. Gotta check that out. Mm-hmm. Good song. Uh, all right. Hey, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, it's AG. You've heard about neighborhood watch groups, right? Neighbors looking out for each other, keeping their community safe. I remember meeting in our garage once a week when I was a kid. Uh, my dad would make sandwiches. Well, get this. The neighborhood watch is now an app on your phone. So how does it work? Uh, the app is called Neighbors, and it's by Ring. That's the company behind those video doorbells and security cameras you see. And with the Neighbors app by Ring, you get real-time updates on safety and shenanigans from your neighborhood, which means you'll be informed about what's going on in your defined little part of town. And it's totally free. You don't even have to own a Ring device. Uh, I I downloaded the app for free. I set up my home base and used the easy map to draw out the area I want alerts from, and I immediately started getting alerts from my neighbors. We recently had a wave of bikes being stolen, which is like the worst thing. I hate bike thieves so much. Uh, and we keep our bikes out front because, you know, that's just what we do. And if we hadn't known about it, ours could have been taken, but we were able to secure them in our shed. And um, so now everything's fine. We still have our bikes. And best of all, uh, the comments and posts are anonymous. And the Neighbors app is making it easier for you and your neighbors to work together to stay safe. There's millions of people using it. It's like a modern neighborhood watch powered by the people. So if you want to see what's going on in your own neighborhood, text AGPOD to the number 555-888 to download the Neighbors app today. That's AGPOD to 555-888. Make your neighborhood safer today with the Neighbors app by Ring. All right, welcome back. So impeachment hearings began this week with Lewandowski uh, and that was an interesting time. Uh, did you watch the impeachment hearing? I did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was exercising, so it was nice. It was a good hate-fueled workout. Ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretend like you're running away from the treason and obstruction. Yeah, I couldn't stand his face. Yeah, no, and he was just so smug and So smug and disrespectful. Uh, and and it, it all kind of got better when Burke mm-hmm. started questioning, and that wasn't until like eight hours later, hour five and a half or something like that. They took a two-hour lunch or some shit. Uh, and... And then I I noticed that like Nadler and and Nancy sort of swapped places for a minute because after she was livid and she said to like to behind like behind closed doors to a little meeting of uh, dumb leaders like I would have held him in contempt right then and there. Mm -hmm. And that would have meant that the staff would have had to draft a a contempt order on the fly. Hey, for future reference, uh, Nancy and Jerry. Um, excuse me, I should call them Mr. Nadler and Miss Pelosi, but uh, I, I'm, I'm angry with them right now. What, what to do? Go ahead and draft those contempt resolutions now for future... Uh, That's a great call. For future uh, uh, testimony. Do you think they really didn't have them already drafted? I, I would wish... I, I would like to think they did. Yeah. Uh, because they both have really great lawyers. Uh-huh. But uh, if you don't... Right. Get that shit together. And they knew... That he was going to try to go with the whole executive privilege thing and mm-hmm. not answer anything. Yeah, he was already defiant. And then he just plugged his Senate race three times in his Ugh. book a bunch. Like, that should be a, a domestic emoluments violation. But yeah. you, have to, you have to be the president. To no. Yeah. <laughs> <play that. laughs> yeah, no. And also, he's like 
kind of a weak person too mm. because he he goes in and he tries to be all rude as mm. shit <laughs> and disrespectful in rereading that letter that was sent to him from White House counsel, right? That over was White House, and over. Yeah, yeah it was mm-hmm. White House counsel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Over and over and over again. But but only for like the first, you know, eventually he broke, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, when that amazing lawyer comes in and is questioning him, he he's at that point just answering the stuff that he's asking him, more yeah. or less. Yeah, and and when he wouldn't answer, he would slow it down and repeat it. Right, like, "Are you dumb?" Right. What I asked yeah. was, and he didn't say, "Are you dumb?" But that was the that was kind of the the psychology of the questioning. Right. Just treating him like a five year old who didn't understand the question, which made him break. Yeah, I think that's what it was is is being condescended to like that. Yeah, that's what he responds to. Like, yeah, fire with fire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting debate tactic for uh, debating Trump as well. It is. Yeah. It Colin sucks to though that else. that's I know You're totally it right. Suck though that Call that's him what Donald. It takes to well, like I forget end. who yeah. said this about Putin, but they said he's like a pit bull, and you have to kind of smack him on the nose before he respects you. Which is weird because I don't think that he and Trump have a real relationship because Trump doesn't actually do that to him. I think whatever Trump thinks they have, either he knows that it's not equal or he thinks it's equal when Putin knows that he doesn't respect him. Yeah, you gotta and, punch him in the face. And Putin is a master spy mm-hmm. so he's going to i wouldn't want to ever talk to him or punch him in the face i would just not want to be anywhere <laughs> oh, near no. him. i mean yeah. like metaphorically because of i would yeah. of course i know but like I, I he would have everything out of me in 10 seconds mm-hmm. and i would be like i don't know and then i'd cry and run away oh, yeah God, yeah I he know. is a spy and and that's like where he and trump Voldemort. are so different yeah he oh, kind of yeah. looks like him God. too yeah. i used to think he was cute i remember those <laughs> days season one that was like season one yeah season of the yeah. iceberg i was like oh yeah so putin's a dictator and that sucks but like there was that shirtless pic and then i just learned more oh, details about his dictator behavior instead of just generally knowing he's a dictator yeah. and that made a huge difference because i think that's kind of the problem with being just like you know a regular citizen is that i get that we're busy but if we don't know exactly what's happening it's so easy to write it off as yeah we're all killers we're you, all yeah. untrustworthy and politicians sexually attracted to, to a tyrant that too oh sex <laughs> If you man, don't pay attention, it blinds me. <laughs> no, but I don't think it's cute anymore. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's good. Um, and so then uh, there's also when we had this, uh, what I was kind of dreaming of when when Lewandowski was being all smarmy was an, a call for inherent contempt. And if you don't know what that is, stick around. We're going to discuss it with Harry Littman because I, I, this was my call. This is what I really want in the whistleblower case as well when the DNI comes in and testifies in, on September 26th. But Harry Littman's got some other ideas. So stick around for that interview. Also this week, Judge Sullivan dismissed Ackmenschen's libel case against Bill Browder. This is the second libel case filed against Browder regarding his work on the Magnitsky Act uh, that's been dismissed. So good on you, Judge Sullivan. He's also the Sullivan. Or he's also the Sullivan. <laughs> and uh, he's the judge for Flynn's case. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just about had enough of this bullshit. Yeah. Honestly. He's had the most. <laughs> yeah. He's had a lot. Him and Jackson. Him and Judge Jackson yeah. and, and Beryl Howell are mm-hmm. like top three of the most shit yeah. collectors. That's, that's a lot of Definitely have the most high profile stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it appears that neither Netanyahu or his blue and white party rival, Benny Gantz, earned enough votes to secure the 61 seats in the 120-seat Israeli parliament needed to win. Bibi was uh, indicted with three charges over the summer, uh, or, you know, uh, three threatened with three charges over the summer, including bribery, and was hoping that if he won the majority, he could pass legislation making it illegal to indict a prime minister. Uh, But he failed. And so uh, Bibi then called for a unity government, and Gantz says, I'm down, uh, but I'm not going to serve under you as prime minister. And at this point, even if Bibi can cobble together enough seats to, to lead, 
there will not be enough support in Parliament to pass legislation to immunize him from his indictments because he, he was indicted, I think, in July. And the attorney general has said he will announce um, what, how they're going to move forward with this by the end of the year. So we'll keep you posted on that. That's interesting. So interesting. Such a crazy, tumultuous time for that government right now. Yeah. So that parliamentary government up in the air, the UK parliamentary government or, you know, uh, not UK. Yeah, UK. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, parliamentary government up in the air. And uh, coming soon, we've got the Canadian election, yep. and that's a parliamentary system, and that could be up in the air. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's scary. It's um, a lot of parliamentary governments are yeah. super close. Uh, it's very scary because I think sometimes, as the United States has in many ways been continuing their, uh, let's just say, alt right tendencies mm-hmm. and really been vamping it up. I've had some sort of solace in at least thinking that the world stage will not tolerate that, but with increasing severity, that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. It's government after government is falling privy to all of these alt-right, alt-right leaders. Yeah, we're getting outnumbered, it seems. It's so scary. <clears throat> at by, least with By a leaders, tiny yeah. minority. Exactly. All you need are like the person in charge to be mm-hmm. the bad guy. And if you cheat to get it. Yeah. You can control everyone. And people are like, well, how can a bad guy be in charge of good people? And that happens all the time. <laughs> all the time. Read a book. Yes. <laughs> uh, and speaking of uh, Sullivan and Michael Flynn, Flynn was due in court for a status update uh, on October 31st for a hearing and potential ruling on his lawyers filing for Brady material. So what that was about is, you know, his crazy nut job lawyer, Sidney Powell, uh, creeps on a mission lady, anti-Muller, like conspiracy theorist, uh, has been he's shouting for <clears throat> Flynn to withdraw his guilty plea. And uh, well, anyway, she filed this thing, of a list of 40 things that she wants, uh, and she needs a classified uh, clearance to get it. And it, it's all, it's basically all of the underlying evidence from the Mueller report and the grand jury materials. Mm-hmm. And that relates to Flynn. Yes, as it relates to Flynn. And actually, she was asking for stuff that didn't relate to mm-hmm. Flynn. So <clears throat> she wants to clearly be the one to get all this information, give it to Trump, and they can work together and to spin this before mm-hmm. it gets out for real. So there are still things that Trump probably hasn't seen yet, because why else would she not know if she's clearly working with Trump's team. Well, right? he has seen, I know that he's seen the full Mueller report okay, unredacted, okay. but he has not seen the grand jury material Got it. as far as I know. They would have to request that like she's doing. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't think though that her angle is to get all this stuff to then go directly bring it to Trump no. or anything. It's like, I think it's like you said a couple episodes ago to be that person that successfully quote unquote crafts this entire narrative in a court of law that all of this was orchestrated. Yeah. The hero to take down the deep state yeah. totally. is what she wants to be. She wants to write a book about yeah. it. And I, I was wondering myself if she had talked Flynn into this if, if, if this is not and this is certainly not in Flynn's best interest um, but so anyway Flynn's case or that or that hearing mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't know if it's going to be behind closed doors or not I would assume it would be and then maybe partially released with redacted in case there's any you know classified or grand jury material that we can't know about uh, but Sullivan wanted to release the Kislyak conversations and, and was halted by the government like no uh, mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so forth so uh, that hearing um, with Sidney Powell and, well, everybody, uh, was supposed to be October 31st, but it's been postponed to November 5th. Oh. And I can't, everyone was like, ooh, I wonder why. What is it about October? Well, I don't know. Pressure of Halloween? You never know what to go as. 
So I don't know. It could be because of the pressures of Halloween. <laughs> uh, but um, the minute order does say that uh, the six day delay is because of court scheduling conflicts. So November 5th it is. Also, November 5th happens to be the first day of Roger Stone's trial. Oh, big yeah. day. Mm. Big day. Big day. Big week. We will be in Boston that week. Uh, And speaking of Roger Stone, a decision was filed under seal in his case that presumably contains Judge Jackson's determination as to whether she will allow Stone to suppress some evidence in the case, along with a decision about whether she will release some materials that he requested. The order says the ruling will be unsealed September 23rd. 23rd. (laughs) (laughs) So if either party has an objection, they'll need to file it by then. Uh, my beans are on a partial grant, partial denial. I think he'll get some and he won't get others, but I think that his uh, motion to suppress evidence will be totally denied. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Seems reasonable. Them That's my only beans. a couple days. Yes. September 23rd. Uh, actually, when this episode, yeah, it'll be. Oh, the next day. Yeah. It'll oh, be wait, tomorrow. No. It'll be. Yeah. Woohoo. Wait, no. 22, 23rd. Yeah. It'll be that when this day. episode comes out tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Neat. So look for that. I'm excited. Um, in an epic troll this week, Merriam-Webster tweeted the word of the day, which was misprision. <laughs> this was no subtle jab at the administration's involvement in the whistleblower scandal, because misprision means the concealment of treason or a felony. And there's a great number of folks wrapped up in this that could be guilty of misprision. The, in the Dem memo, they were talking about disseminating the emails, Russia, anonymously disseminating the emails. And that would be, and if Trump knew about that, that's aiding and abetting. That'd be mm-hmm. criminal conspiracy. And covering it up would be something called misprision. Uh, that's the deliberate concealment of one's knowledge of a treasonable act or a felony. Oh, I like that word. Me too. Can you so, say it again? Misprision. Nice. Ooh, misprision. Sounds like a bird. Or a teacher. Misprision. <laughs> if you want to. No, it's misprision. So nice work, the dictionary. Uh, They also low-key tweet a lot about beans. (laughs) Makes me wonder if they're listening. (laughs) So, speaking of Miss Persian, then ultimately all of this whistleblowing stuff boils down to a FARA violation? Or, like, what charge would it be? Oh, well, they're not going to be able to criminally go after him? I'm saying if they could. Oh, if If they they, could? If they could. It depends on what was involved in the phone call. Yeah. It could be bribery. Uh, if he was, it could right, be extortion. Promise. Yeah. Uh, it could be an in-kind campaign contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could Help. be, uh, uh, it could be um, conspiracy against the United States. It could be, which is that you know what what we thought they were going to charge, uh, you know, for the June 9th, twenty sixteen meeting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those those are what I guess would be the charges. And when they do draw up articles of impeachment, um, they'll be listed. Nothing in there. with Farah, you don't think. Failing to register as a foreign agent. No, I don't think so. With Giuliani or anything? Oh, for, against Giuliani? I thought you just meant Trump. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking in general, what are the, what's the scope of charges that in our, you know, fantasy world, I don't all know. of this would boil down to? I don't know that it would be fair because I don't think he's lobbying on behalf of a foreign government. I think he's trying to get a foreign government to give uh, opposition dirt. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that that falls under Farah, but it was definitely would be conspiracy against the United States. Yeah. It depends on what the promise is, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's so much we don't know because yeah. we just don't have. The only thing we're missing now is the meat of that complaint. Mm-hmm. And it, it, uh, they, we do have reporting from, uh, I think, three sources that uh, it's not just about this one promise to one leader. There are multiple issues that were flagged uh, in this urgent uh, report. Yeah, I'd be just talking about conspiracy against the United States. I'm thinking would ultimately taking down someone like Joe Biden be considered 
a national security threat or something in a similar way that that meeting was that the June 19th, uh, the June meeting was. Yeah, and then you're and then you're into counterintelligence territory right. and they don't have specific charges. All they do is determine if somebody's an asset, right? right. Yeah. So, it's all weird. And you're probably going to get more into it in the hot note, I imagine, right? Yes. Cool, because oh, I'm, I'm really curious. No, no, I think it's great discussion. I'm just really curious to hear like your whole theory, because this is huge, right? This has like, got to be the biggest thing that's probably happened since the report itself dropped, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This I'm, is I'm big. stoked. Mm-hmm. And we'll see where uh, Im- impeachment, the, like if this moves the needle on impeachment for, you know, whether Americans want it. And we'll see if it moves the needle in, in the House, too. I don't know if it's going to move the needle in the Senate. Hmm. <laughs> because I think a lot of them are also compromised, but that's super yeah, space beans. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, also, Giuliani is back out on his Lube the Truth tour after a bit of a hiatus, and Jordan's going to cover that in Hot Notes. And also this week we have a proposal from Trump's Department of Education that basically amounts to state-sponsored Islamophobia. The Department of Education and the Trump administration is pressuring the University of North Carolina and Duke University to revise their joint Middle East studies program or they could lose federal funding under the threat of loss of federal funding. In a letter dated August 29th, the Department of Education, led by Eric Prince's sister, Betsy DeVos, sent a letter to the Duke-UNC Consortium for Middle East Studies that accuses the program of portraying only the positive aspects of Islam. And they don't amend if they don't amend their program by September 22nd, they will lose federal funding um, that they've been receiving for almost a decade. Oh, my God. And and that's it's it's really interesting, too, because, well, first of all, this is coming on the heels of now, as we know, the Canadian prime minister appearing in brown face at a costume party dressed as Aladdin, which we he, he not only has now acknowledged, but over the weekend video has come out. And when asked how many times he's appeared in black or brown face, he said he didn't know. Uh, uh, which is like, how do you not know? Yeah. Um, but regarding the Duke UNC program, the Trump administration is apparently complaining that the program focuses too heavily on the positive aspects of Islam and not enough on the positive aspects of Christianity, Judaism, or any other religion or belief system in the Middle East. In response to criticism, the department says their review of the program has nothing to do with Islamic bias, adding, and this is my favorite, Pro-Islamic programming is not our concern. It's the lack of diversity. Okay. So, isn't that a nice little? What if the country you're living in is entirely founded on and entrenched in those religions that you're saying? I'm sorry, Jordan. These are Middle East studies representation. So we need to have Christianity and Judaism and everybody equally represented. Now, if that were really their argument, then why do I hear the same argument about diversity being this bad or unnecessary thing in every other case? I'm so confused. Right. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our producer Amanda goes coughed a little <laughs> hypocrisy <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> and also, okay, in my college, I personally, sorry, this is in the states, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. This is Duke yeah. and um, University of North Carolina. Okay, cool. Um, they have a joint consortium for Middle East studies. And totally. They've been funded for a decade so that they could t- teach about Middle East studies. Yeah. Sorry, I thought for some reason you threw in Canada somewhere. I know you're talking about Justin Trudeau, but okay. Oh, so, it was like a sidebar. Yeah, yeah. 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 I zoned out on the Duke thing, but so so yes, it's it's like when I went to school, we had it was only through the activism of students that it was even required we take an ethnic studies class that would even teach mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things about Islam in, in like an unbiased way. Mm-hmm. And Your school was very unique. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Well, it's because the activists that came before are fucking badasses. A lot of it came from Students of Justice in Palestine, uh, for Justice in Palestine, because there was like a lot of fucked up stuff. Uh, there was something called the Compton Cookout that happened at UCSD. I remember. That was awful. So like, 
black students on campus mobilized, got the yeah. School of Black Student Union, got them an equity, diversity, and inclusion chancellor, vice chancellor. And this was UCSD. Yeah, that's got what's the Black up. Student Union. Like it was, it was like a crazy thing. But did you it, not hear about the Compton cookout? No, never oh. in my life. Yeah, it's really bad. But my point is that it took all of that to even get one requirement for one class that talks about Islam in a way that is, you know, educational. Absolutely. And and it's like. I, That's the uphill battle. But in we're my facing. required classes that were required that everyone had to take, we did learn about Christianity mm-hmm. and those those like texts and everything. It's like the only rule of law that truly <sighs> matters, and I'm not saying in terms of what should matter, but in American history, what truly seems to transcend is the law of old white cis straight men. And I don't say that to say that all of those guys are bad. It's just the fact that they're whatever they decide is the standard has kind of been accepted. So when it comes to these things, it's like, well, why is that? And it always boils down to, to the fact that it's very concentrated on on a particular group or spectrum of group based on color. It's I, I hate that it boils it's down othering. to othering. Yeah, because it could be in all kinds of ways with religion and and with our genders and all kinds of things. But yeah, it it does generally boil down to Christianity, which has been so. I want to say whitewash, but it really depends on where you stand on this. Just the idea of it being re- really based on white America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and this is basically Betsy DeVos's version of "Where's your white student union?" Mm-hmm. That's basically what she's saying. That's supposed to be the default. Vanilla is the default flavor, and white <laughs> is the default race. Like that's what America is. And um, and if you have any question about their real motives here, uh, I, we know you know. It's not about being diverse. Mm-hmm. No. If you have any questions about their real motives, just that statement that they made saying, quote, pro-Islamic programming is not our concern. It's the lack of diversity. So just to throw that in there, like, no, you can go ahead and, you know, call for Sharia law and program people to mm-hmm. like Islamic people or whatever they're, that thing they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's where their true motive lies. Yeah. That was a poorly worded statement. It was dog whistling. I think it was very it, intentional, it, but it's, it, it is poor wording. Morally speaking, I totally agree. But in a diversity argument? Well, they, I think it's they the know what they're doing. Do. I think they might know what they're doing. Yeah. I have a feeling. Yeah, but these are, these are, this is Duke and UNC. This isn't. I'm with you. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Anyway. So dumb. Uh, also, Mitch McConnell appears to have flipped on election security, saying he will fund the $250 million for an election security bill. But there's an inherent problem with his seeming goodwill. And Jaleesa will have that for us later mm-hmm. in, in the hot notes, um, because wolf in sheep's clothing. Totally. Yeah. I, I definitely have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> awesome. We'll be right back with hot notes. Hey, it's AG here. Would you buy a $50 shirt that only costs 7 bucks to make? I would not, and neither should you. And now with Everlane, you'll never overpay for quality clothes. Everlane makes premium essentials using high-quality materials without the traditional markups. Everlane not only wants you to know what you're paying for, but why. And they're focused on transparency by telling you their real costs, all the steps in the process, what materials they use, and the ethical factories that they partner with. But not only are they big on transparency and ethics, Everlane's clothes look and feel good. They cost less and they last longer because they've cut out the middle person and they sell directly to the consumer. And that makes their prices 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. And their pieces are versatile, simple, comfortable, and made from high quality materials. Uh, I've been grabbing all my cotton basics from Everlane since since I heard about them. And they outlast, out, outlast everything else I buy from retailers. They're just super high quality. And, and like I got a jacket made from recycled water bottles, which I love, so they're sustainable 
too. They care about the planet. Uh, my favorite, personally, are are their basic black tees. I have a ton of them, and they're super comfy. I wear them all the time. Very, it's a staple of my wardrobe. So right now, you can check out uh, their personalized collection at everlane.com slash AG. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. So that's everlane.com slash AG. Once again, for free shipping, everlane.com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. All right. Welcome back. Hot Notes. All right. Welcome back. It's time for Hot Notes. So, Jordan, you have a story on Giuliani's Lube the Truth tour. But first, our intrepid election security reporter, Jalisa, has a story (laughs) about how Moscow Mitch uh, is... A bitch. Yes. No, I just, I didn't write that, guys. I'll do better. After uh, blocking additional security uh, or election security funding for over a year, Mitch McConnell is now backing an amendment that gives an additional $250 million to just that, election security. He says, quote, I'm proud to have co-sponsored and helped develop a bipartisan committee amendment that will provide another $250 million to help states administer and secure our elections. So, you know, obviously on the surface, this seems like great news, but let's not forget who we're dealing with. Basically, Mitch, he's just jumping the bandwagon. And the fact that Democrats never stopped advocating for election security and he's just now getting on board, it makes them naturally suspicious, particularly of the fact that the $250 million in funding does not provide strict rules on what politicians can use it for. On top of that, while most election security bills require things like paper ballots, this one does not. So lawyer and election security advocate Jennifer Cohen is politely calling bullshit. (laughs) On Twitter, she said, quote, McConnell's funding bill will make things worse because it has no strings and enables corrupt officials to buy whatever hackable, unauditable voting machines they want. So basically, McConnell is trying to trick everyone by calling it election security funding. And Jennifer breaks it all down in her Twitter thread. So if you guys are already following her, please do. It's at Jenny Cohn one. Yeah, whoever took Jenny Cohn. Hey, give it back. No, it's cool. They're cool, too. (laughs) But uh, she's amazing, and she really goes into great detail. This is just a hot note, but she's got, like, I don't know, fire? What would that be? Hot fire. fire. She's got a fire thread, guys. Yeah, for the kids. Fire note. (laughs) I noticed you guys really connected. uh, I love her. uh, During the Seattle show, and she was mentioned by Hillary Clinton recently. Wow, way to go, Jenny. That's great. So just within the last week and a half, we've got, she she did our show, then Hillary Clinton mentioned her, and I'm wondering, maybe she heard... Maybe Hillary heard mm. her on our show. Mm. Hey, uh, she wasn't in Seattle. I would have seen her. Um, <laughs> and and now, uh, of course, immediately this, you know, McConnell flips, and you know, this is a lot about the handmarked paper ballots. Like you're, you know, you're right. Mitch McConnell has taken a lot of donations from uh, vendors who make voting machines, electronic voting machines that don't create handmarked paper ballots, mm-hmm. but can be hacked. Yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. that wolf in sheep skin. Those voting machines are supposed to look like they're doing what we want, but come on. Think about like our iPhones and everything. Everything's updated like every week, and we're not updating our voting machines. Get, get out of here! No, yeah, millennials know this, but yeah, I feel like or they're updating them to be hackable. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's tricky, and I, I think some people. I don't know. Hopefully, everyone's kind of onto this because it's Mitch. But some people might be like, "Isn't this what you want? Like, why are you arguing if this is what you've been asking for?" It's like. It's not that simple. It's definitely a little more complicated. Aren't we at a point now where we want something, we want something, we want something, and now if A.G. Barr or Mitch McConnell or Trump give it to us, we're like, oh, no, we don't. No, we don't trust you. Right. It's That's what they want, too, because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you're just complaining because you just want to be complainers. No, you guys are just... It's how do you put this gaslighting? Is that the best word mm-hmm. for it? It's like they tell you what is, they, they claim is happening, but in reality, it's and totally then they different. call you crazy. Yeah, that's what this is. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, shout out to Gaslit Nation. Gaslit Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea Chalupa, Sarah Kenzier. 
Uh, so thank you for thank that. You. Thank note. you. Well done. Jordan, tell us about Kaludi Rudy. His latest show date was this Thursday night on Chris Cuomo, where he hopped on and defended the president's speculated conversations with Ukrainian President Zelensky, allegedly persuading him to investigate Joe Biden's son. And he was also there to defend his own efforts to do basically the same thing. But he was doing such an awful job in changing his position on things throughout the interview to such large degrees. You couldn't tell if he was playing defense or offense at times. <laughs> he is Trump's worst defensive lineman. It is so bad. Like, if, if he was in football, he would start to blitz the quarterback, only to change his mind, pick up said quarterback, put him <laughs> on his shoulders, and then run him into the end zone. And the sad thing is that Trump's fans are so stupid, they would just erupt in celebration upon That is the this. sad part, yeah. Um, the biggest example of this debauchery was when Giuliani initially said no to the question of if he had pressed Ukraine to look into Biden's son, only to moments later say about the, say about the same topic, of course I did. The erratic sentiment really came out, I think, with this direct quote. Giuliani says, You want to cover some ridiculous charge that I urged the Ukrainian government to investigate corruption. Well, I did. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> of course I did. Fucking yeah. crazy, dude. And something something he was very direct on, however, was his response to when Cuomo asked him if Trump had told Zelensky what and how they should investigate Biden's son and Paul Manafort. Uh, Giuliani says, I don't know if he did, and I wouldn't care if he did. He had every right to do it as the president of the United States. He had every right to say to the Ukrainian president that we have two outstanding allegations of massive corruption and you should investigate, end quote. Wow, what a way to leave out the fact that you're using it as like a hostage situation. It's like, hey, we have every right as president to be like, you should look into this, dot, dot, dot. If you don't, we're going to take away your funding that you need because the guy that I'm working with is attacking you. And That's extortion. Oh, it's classic extortion, <laughs> but they love to just paint it like it's this pretty picture and... I wonder who's falling for it besides Trump supporters. Yeah, well, this is straight out of Nixon's mouth, basically, by the way, this whole blanket immunity for the president idea. And and, and that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, and then Giuliani goes on to lube the truth even further when he says, if the president of the United States said to the president of Ukraine, investigate the corruption in your country that has a bearing on our 2016 election, isn't that what he's supposed to do? So in that quote, he just blatantly said, Yes, not only is it okay for the president to tell a country what they should investigate, but that it is necessary when it would have an outcome in the election. This he, is one of his lubiest moments. He yes-anded treason. Yes. He's like, yes, and yes. I, I'm cool with it. Yeah, it's right. like... That's insane. But what's so twisted is that Giuliani's going to try to masquerade this around as some sort of election protection measure instead of what it really is, which is an attempted coordinated effort with foreign governments to manufacture controversy about Trump's most likely opponent in 2020 for the sole purpose of securing his reelection. And I have another question, too. If this is so noble of an act, right, he's just doing this to to protect our elections in the U.S. If you're doing this to do that, then why are you doing everything in your power to block Congress from seeing all of your heroism? Ooh. Yeah. It's because you're liars and you're career criminals. <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. And they must know it, so they're really betting that people are dumb enough to let this go, or they're hoping they can create enough destruction in the near future to distract from the current destruction, mm -hmm. and then by that time, things will be so crazy that it'll bring the country together, because maybe what they'll do is stage another terrorist attack or something. I don't know what they're capable of, but I'm a afraid of it. Well, it's akin to defending the or using the, the Voting Rights Act to defend racist gerrymandering mm -hmm. to say that not only is asking him asking Zelensky to investigate Biden it, that interferes in our elections. Not only is that not wrong, it's necessary. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that that's kind of I mean that is this you know like saying, uh, did you uh, kill that guy? Uh, no, but of course I did. And not only is it not wrong, it was necessary. <laughs> yep. Yes, you nailed it. It's a crazy jump to make within yeah. like a small interview. He was off the rail. I was. I thought he was going to have an, a, a cardiac event. Yeah. And, and that's a very good point is that he's been like this for so long that for this to be actually a moment where we were shocked at his response. You <laughs> yeah. think with Rudy, you'd be like, oh, that's just Rudy being yeah. Rudy. But no, this was a special moment. Yeah. Well, every time you show up, you got to bring more lube. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Words also to live by. It's also <laughs> it's also been a while and since he's done this. This was like a thing that he was doing almost on a weekly basis for a while, and then it kind of stopped for a little bit. And this is this is his first like comeback tour. I'm afraid of what's next. Yeah, it's just gonna it's gonna get so ridiculous. Yeah. All right. So the the big story this week has has to do with uh, the Lube the Truth tour. <clears throat> it's been unfolding since last Friday when we were live in Seattle, uh, and the icy whistleblower scandal popped. Uh, it started with a letter that dropped last week, about ten minutes before we went live at the Triple Door, uh, that Adam Schiff wrote to the acting director of national intelligence, Joshua McGuire. Uh, that he he'd he'd received shift says in this letter he'd received notice from the intelligence community inspector general or the ICIG alerting him to an urgent whistleblower disclosure involving a serious or flagrant problem abuse violation of law or executive order that the ICIG had reviewed and deemed as urgent and credible. And now, according to the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act or ICWPA, the ICIG is supposed to forward that credible and urgent complaint on to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and then the DNI, by law, has seven days to give it to Congress with additional notes if he wants or she wants. The law is clear that the DNI shall furnish the complaint within seven days, and the Intelligence Community Inspector General determination cannot be overridden by anyone. It is final. He has the final say. It is a he in this case, so I'm going to use that pronoun. But according to Schiff's letter to the DNI, he, he did not receive the complaint within seven days and then demanded it. So then we learned as the week went on that not only did the DNI fail to hand over the complaint, but he went to the Department of Justice for advice on what to do. Uh, and and that was ultimately the White House uh, and the official uh, or sorry, the Office of Legal Counsel at the Department of Justice that directed the DNI not to give the complaint to Congress, citing executive privilege. So the DNI went to the Office of Legal Counsel. That's the, those are the guys who did the memo that says you can't indict a sitting president, but not these specific guys. They did it a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so <clears throat> they directed uh, they probably talked to the White House. And I, I don't know what, exactly what happened behind the scenes, but we do know the White House was involved in the decision to block it. And we know that the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel was involved. Um, and they just directed the DNI not to give the complaint to Congress and to cite executive privilege and argue that the person in question, Trump, did not fall under the jurisdiction of the ICIG or the DNI because the, perf- the person was above them. The law, however, says that the complaint... Uh, only has to relate to the intelligence or to intelligence to qualify. And um, this is the first time uh, anything Trump has ha- had related to intelligence. That's it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's interesting all this time. <laughs> and uh, Thursday, the ICIG testified to the House Intelligence Committee behind closed doors and told the members that the complaint does fall under the jurisdiction of the DNI. I can't tell you what's in it, but it falls under my under the DNI jurisdiction and that he finds it uh, to be credible and urgent. He repeated that. Uh, we also learned from the Washington Post that the complaint was not just about one incident. We mentioned this earlier, but multiple instances of urgent behavior. And that one of the issues at hand, just one, involved a phone call between Trump and a foreign leader. And eventually we, we learned it was regarding Ukraine. We don't know which foreign leader. Uh, although, have they reported now that it is specifically the yeah, phone call Zel- with him and Zelensky? Zelensky. Okay, yeah. so it is him and Zelensky. But this is just one of the issues. Mm-hmm. So if you've been listening to Mueller, she wrote, 
<clears throat> or the Daily Beans, you'd know uh, that when Trump diverted $3.6 billion in funds from the Department of Defense construction projects to pay for his wall, $770 million of that was coming out of the European Defense Initi- Initiative and the European Reassurance Initiative. Both of those were Obama-era initiatives to help NATO and European allies defend against Russian aggression after the annexation of Crimea uh, in Ukraine in 2014. And if you've been listening, you'll also remember that Trump had put a hold on $250 million in military aid for Ukraine using the excuse that he and the Senate Republicans were reviewing the program. (laughs) Uh, Money desperately needed by Ukraine to defend their eastern peninsula against Russian aggression. Uh, And we learned this week that Trump has now released that $250 million to Ukraine and tacked on an additional $140 million to boot. What is that for? No one has seen uh, the justification for the additional appropriation. No one's seen the documents. And you would also know, if you've been following the story of Kaludi Rudy, conspiring with corrupt Ukraine, Ukraine separatists in broad daylight to get dirt on a political opponent, opponent Joe Biden, uh, we, as we've just learned a minute ago. This is especially frustrating uh, because for the past three years, we've had to hear about crooked Hillary paying for opposition research on Trump, which led to the phony dossier. Uh, which is yet to be refuted, only to find out Giuliani is fine doing the same thing for him on beha- for himself on behalf and likely in cahoots with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, you know, as you were saying, Jordan, that's just not only did he say that he did it, he said it was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see how this is different from Hillary's campaign paying for the dossier, uh, except that it's not coming directly from a foreign country. Right. <laughs> so... Yeah, I was going to say what Hillary did that that still was okay to do. Yeah, totally legal because she had a law firm and the law firm hired uh, an American company and the American company hired a MI6 operative who is an ally. And that MI6 operative got the information from his contacts, not the government of Russia. Mm -hmm. And then that information was passed back. Yeah. And we're talking about a direct phone call from the president to the other president. Yeah, this would be Hillary calling Putin and asking for dirt on Trump. It makes me laugh. It's so insane. Isn't it? Uh, Which they accuse her of doing, by the way. Uh, Which they're no longer allowed to do. So tight. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. I guess not. Like Hillary colluded with the with the Russians. Oh, I guess that's okay now, though, since you're colluding with the Ukraine. Yeah, that was their first argument, right? That didn't work so well. No, none of their, all of their arguments fall apart. They have a lot. I'm so surprised. How creative. When colluding really moves (laughs) the truth. Uh, so yeah, that's everything Jordan went over in the Lube the Truth interview. Thank you for that, by the way. With that was Chris good. Cuomo, if you if you watch it, to, like to take a whatever chill pill um, you take, whether you smoke weed, take a Xanax, <laughs> it's it's it will it's like uh, it's a lot. It's, it's anxiety inducing conversation to watch, isn't yeah. it? They're also yeah. just yelling at each other a lot of the time, which was really annoying too. Mm-hmm. It was. It yeah, was bad it was interview. But you're watching it. What was that? But Rudy wouldn't shut up. No, Rudy would not shut up. But Cuomo was trying to just be like a, you know, ample opponent. I didn't say that. What are you doing? I never said that. Mm -hmm. Prove me wrong, bro. It's like those ghost hunters. Where you at, ghost? Come on, bro. Come at me. (laughs) Kudos on the journalists that are sticking to their guns for sure. Because I was hoping for more of this in the beginning, obviously. But now it seems like most of them are unafraid at this point. And that's great. Yeah. So Schiff subpoenaed the DNI, uh, who was refusing to hand over the complaint. The ICIG testified Thursday to the committee as best he could without setting one foot outside the four corners of the uh, Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act because of eminent threats, apparently, for, of prosecution and prison time from the White House and the Department of Justice, and therefore could not reveal the nature of the complaint. Schiff also subpoenaed the DNI, but uh, he said he couldn't make it on such short notice and delayed until September 26th. 
but has clearly been advised by the White House that uh, the communications fall under executive privilege and by the Justice Department that their complaint isn't even in the DNI's jurisdiction. So he's not going to answer any questions. He will be a a combative witness. Mm -hmm. But then we get even more reporting this week as we learned Thursday night that the whistleblower hired an attorney, likely because he or she is under prosecutorial pressure from the Department of Justice if they stray one inch outside of the law. But in this case, the law was followed to the letter. Uh, and yet the system let, let let this whistleblower down, and it's not working because the White House and Department of Justice have blocked the complaint from reaching its intended destination mm-hmm. under under the law. Yeah. Well, the um, argument from the other side will just be that that's what the law stands to do, is sometimes you give the complaint and then the DOJ decides to not do anything with it, and tough luck. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't have the authority to override the ICIG's determination mm-hmm. on that. It's just against the law. Uh, So here's a little timeline of events. Um, July 25th, Trump speaks by phone with the new president of Ukraine, Zelensky, the comedian who won by a landslide. It was reported Friday by The Wall Street Journal that Trump and Zelensky, uh, Trump asked Zelensky eight times um, for him to investigate Joe Biden in one conversation. It's like R. Kelly mentioning the girl's age in the sub like <laughs> 20 times. I don't know if you guys saw the Chappelle special yet. Which yeah. I know a lot of you guys might have opinions. No, I, I haven't seen it yet. I but does he, does, he, twice, does he mention though. like that she's he 18, does. like 19 times? He mentions times. how often R. Kelly says her age and yeah. just how dumb it is. But oh, it's also dumb to be, I don't know. I guess I can't say dumb to be a pedophile and all that. That's no, but I got argument. it wrong, though. He mentions her real age in the tape. Oh, yeah. He mentions right? her real age. Yeah. And Dave Chappelle's like, he should have lied and said, this is the best 34-year-old yeah. pussy I've ever had. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a good special. It took me like literally the first few minutes were triggering, but then I rewatched it with a different perspective, and I was like, "All right, got to put on my comedian hat for this one," and it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to put on a different hat. Got to try. Uh, let's see. So that was July twenty fifth. The phone call eight times. Asked him, "Hey, are you going to investigate Joe Biden?" Hey, I mean, how long does a call have to be? Like, think about eight times. Uh, in August, Giuliani met with Zelensky uh, with a Zelensky representative. On August 12th, the whistleblower filed their complaint. August 15th, Dan Coats resigned as the DNI and, and took uh, Sue Gordon with him. August 28th, Bolton met with Zelensky in Kiev. At the end of August, Trump blocked military aid to Ukraine. September 1st, VP Pence met with Zelensky in Warsaw. September 9th, three House committees launched an investigation into Kaludi Rudy and the Trump-Zelensky phone call. And then September 12th, the hold on Ukraine military aid money was lifted. So that's like the timeline there. And we're we're also now hearing that Ukrainian troop withdrawal uh, is happening from uh, Donbass. As Russian officials appear, they are ready to negotiate a ceasefire after a prisoner swap took place earlier in September between uh, Ukraine and Russia in preparation for a Russian gas transit contract. But Russia uh, led 13 enemy attacks on Donbass on September 19th using 82 millimeter mortars, which are banned under the Minsk agreements. So they're breaking all sorts of rules. And, it, you know, so here here they are like, yeah, no, you pull back, we'll pull back. Let's just make our pipeline. OK, cool. And then Ukraine pulls back and then Russia attacks. Exactly. So we do not know what is in the whistleblower complaint, but it appears to involve Trump possibly extorting Ukraine to move troops for Russia and or to investigate Joe Biden as a squid pro quo for their military aid money. And we know there are multiple instances of egregious acts on top of this by the president that have have been deemed credible by the ICIG, who is a Trump appointee, by the way. Uh, So Trump may have promised Putin a Ukraine troop withdrawal so Russia can pump Ukraine oil through the pipeline. I still think Trump got the half percent commission from the sale of Rosneft, around 280 million or so stashed in some shell corp. And don't forget that sale was brokered by Qatar, uh, who the president also spoke with by phone during the time period in question. 
Trump may have extorted Zelensky by withholding military aid in exchange for dirt on a political opponent. But uh, whatever these issues are, Trump's own ICIG thinks they're an urgent matter of national security. And the White House and Department of Justice are blocking the legal process under the Whistleblower Protection Act. Trump probably accidentally tweeted out uh, about the whistleblower that he... I think this was an accident. Did you see this tweet where he said that the whistleblower was partisan? Yeah, a highly partisan individual. Yeah, while also maintaining that he doesn't know who it is. (laughs) So... (laughs) And he hasn't read the complaint. I was going to say, I didn't know if it was something he read or what, but he's clearly just trying to put this out to his base because his base doesn't care about facts. Like, he's not talking, I think, to rational people because he must know he can't win them over. Likely he's just saying that because it's somebody who complained against him. That's it. That's all it takes. But his base will take that as we got you because it just comes with that. You know, stand culture and the whole idea of like, this is our guy. We rock with you as an individual. We trust your word. That's how they feel about him. Yeah. And uh, many are asking now what the legal recourse is. And we'll discuss those options with um, Harry Lippman. uh, in the interview a little bit later in the show. So stick around for that. I'm cautiously optimistic, though, and I think you'll be, too. All right, you guys ready for sabotage? Yes. George Nader has a hearing tomorrow at 10 a.m. He's already been indicted for possession of child pornography when the Mueller team found 12 videos on his phone after being apprehended for questioning in the Russia investigation. Then he faced superseding indictments for transporting a child to his home for sex. Uh, And then we heard it should be rape, but it says sex in the complaint. Mm -hmm. I just want to let you know why that that word is being used. And last we heard he was being investigated further for the same behavior in 2009. So the first child he transported was 2014. And apparently he did this again in 2009. But there's no charges in that case yet. So let's keep that in mind as we head to our next segment, the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted. No, it is going to be indicted. Honey, dick. Indicted. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! All right, so today, Jordan, you get to go first, then me, then Jaleesa. Uh, so, let's see here. Are you are you taking notes? All right, Amanda. Tom Burke. Oh. <laughs> coming out swinging. Saw it coming. Saw it coming. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with Nader. Ooh. I'm living life in the jizz lane. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Life in the jizz lane. <laughs> I have to sing it every time. <laughs> Uh, Trump inaugural. Nice. Uh, Trump organization. Mm. Don Jr., please. Good. Soriano. Nice. I think that's S-O-R-I-A-N-O. Yeah. I got Weiselberg. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pecker for me. <laughs> You've selected Pecker. It's <laughs> my new Twitter bio. Pecker for me. You're Ooh, going AMI? with AMI? That's, mm-hmm. that's really good. AMI. Then I'm going to go with Calamari. The trifecta. Mm. Oh, I will do... Are we on... What is that? Four? That is four, right? Cool. I will take uh, Jolo from the block. All right. They all have nicknames. He's still just Jolo from he the block. He is just Jolo from the block, yeah. Um, Kushner. <laughs> the Kush. The Kush. The uh, Kush. Is that one more for me? Yes. Okay. So we're on, we're on five. We're on round five now. Fifth round. <laughs> Anybody said Dylan Howard? Nope. All yours. Actually, no. I'm going to go with Kajawa oh. or Kawaja. I was like, how do you even spell that? That's a Broidy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the spelling? You can just like, do it phonetically. Kawaja. No. Uh, you know what? Kawhi. Just go with Broidy. <laughs> yeah. Just go with Broidy. It's going to be my I know pick, how to spell it. But no. Bro- Broidy's a you good want choice. Kwa- Kwa- I, oh, no, no, no. Broidy was going to be mine, but I'll take that random Igor. 
All right. I appreciate <laughs> leaving that open for me. Random eagle. Rando. Igor Rando. Igor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. That is how we play the Fantasy Indictment League. We will be right back with the legal remedies for Adam Schiff and House Dems and the IC whistleblower scandal with Harry Littman. So stick around. Hey, it's AG, and not all heroes wear capes. My heroes wear scrubs. And I'm willing to bet if you're not a healthcare professional, you either know someone who is, or you can think of a time when a medical professional made a difference in your life or the life of someone you love. These folks have dedicated their lives to be of service of others, and we think they deserve scrubs that not only look good and feel good, but have the tools they need to get the job done. And that's where Figs comes in. Figs is an amazing company that makes scrubs stylish and functional for the people who deserve it the most. In fact, you may have seen some folks wearing them and thought, whoa, those are really awesome awesome scrubs. Those are the figs. So for years, nurses, doctors, dentists, and other awesome medical professionals were forced to wear scratchy, ill-fitting scrubs, but no longer. Uh, And figs is philanthropic, and you know I'm huge on that. Every time you shop at figs, they give scrubs to healthcare providers in need around the world through their Threads for Threads initiative. And to date, they've donated hundreds of thousands of sets in over 35 countries. That's so amazing. And the holidays are coming, and figs makes a great gift to the medical professional in your life. And they even have gift cards available. So next time you're doctor, nurse, dentist, dermatologist, or pediatrician saves the day. Tell them thank you by sending them figs. Uh, I happen to get the short sleeve zip up top in black and I love it because it's super soft. It's antimicrobial. It wicks. It's really comfortable. And it has these incredible pockets. This like I, I, The best way I can describe it is a pocket system. It holds everything I need as an administrator. So whether you're one of the awesome humans that works in healthcare or someone that wants to say thanks to those deserving, Figs is going to make that, that very easy by providing you 15% off your first purchase by using our code AG. So get ready to love your scrubs. Head to wearfigs, that's W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S dot com, and enter our code AG at checkout. You'll be glad you did. All right. Joining us in studio today for the interview, very good friend of ours, uh, friend of the pod, former U.S. attorney and former deputy assistant attorney general under Obama. He's also the host of the amazing Talking Feds podcast. Harry Lippman, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well, A.G., yourself? I'm doing I mean, great. I mean, it's a beautiful day and I feel good and I've had good coffee, but I'm a little... Um, outraged anew and kind of steaming at the at the news but personally I feel pretty good so you're seething but it's a nice day exactly and I had a swim and yeah all right well that's good we we, you know treat yourself (laughs) so (laughs) earlier in this show we went over the whistleblower scandal in its entirety with all the you know from back to the beginning all the way up to where it is now Mm -hmm. But we stopped short of the possible legal remedies. Um, and I wanted to, to have you on the show to discuss those because some of them are relevant. Some of them are, you know, from the days of yore. Right. And uh, yeah. I wanted to start uh, with the Intelligence Community Whistleblowers Protection Act itself and ask you, why does it seem to me the entire thing seems to hinge on the, on the hopes that we have a law-abiding director of national intelligence? Well, it does in terms of getting quick action. If we don't, that's what the law is for. And given that you probably went over this already, but the law is crystal clear and it uh, gives what really matters in the law from, oh, Marbury versus Madison, a straightforward non-discretionary duty to the DNI to just forward this. So if you had a law-abiding DNI or just any DNI, you've never, ever had this problem before. The DNI, it's in black and white, just forwards it. Uh, And the DNI, by the way, is in uh, McGuire. He's A, acting, which, you know, your listeners probably already know means he's more in a precarious spot. He is between the ultimate rock 
and a hard place, the hard place being the law, the Congress and the public, the rock being um, Donald Trump and Bill Barr, who don't want this bad information out. So he's paralyzed. Why does it matter? It matters because he's the guy, the only guy under the statute to actually forward this um, whistleblower complaint to the chair of the of the Intelligence Committee and Schiff. And uh, if he doesn't do it, then then he has to be ordered to in one fashion or another by the law. And as we know, in other contexts, that takes time. But that's that's the only reason that this will happen. All right. So it's kind of like uh, the Ma- the Mazar's case with or no, excuse me, tax uh, House Ways and Means well, both. case. It's yeah. like both. They'll fold their hands, and say, oh, no, they'll they and, and proffer some really, you know, far fetched, if not completely ridiculous argument then then you look to the courts a little bit of a wild card with the dc circuit which which you know could possibly uh more likely than other courts to go trump's way but it all seems so black and white the only thing is the wheels of justice grind kind of slowly yeah it's pretty pretty open and shut but yeah i can i don't think we're going to see anything in at least those cases until the fall yeah, I, I just make one, which is it's derelict. Other yeah. administrations wouldn't do this. They would <laughs> right. they would look, find in good faith where their obligations lie and comply with them. So that's why you wouldn't be in this pickle. And the other thing about it is this: so much of this is playing out in kind of real time on a politics and media scale. And the law, even when it moves quickly, is, you know, much, much slower so you know i had a column last week in the post starting remember don mcgann and that was tongue-in-cheek but by the time that plays out next maybe next summer spring you know will it will, will the administration have won by losing will they will they have succeeded in making it politically irrelevant Right. So so given all this obstruction and we've it's been happening since the investigation started um, and in, I'm talking all the investigations out of Congress, especially. <clears throat> and given this particular obstruction, which I, th- I think could qualify, you'd have to, of course, prove intent and nexus to a proceeding and all that stuff. But that aside, um, there are questions uh, in the media and on social media. And I've been asked several times about judicial preclusion, right. meaning people have been trying to say, I think Lawrence O'Donnell said that. Uh, Schiff won't be allowed to sue to get this document handed over. And and that seems to be not consistent with the law as you understand it, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I think they're pointing to a provision in the overall scheme that says nothing that the inspector general does is subject to judicial review. That's a fairly standard kind of caveat for inspectors general it just means you know you can't sue the uh, from the outside to make the inspector general do a report change findings etc but the statutory responsibility here lies with mcguire with the director of national uh, intelligence it is straightforward and in the words of the law ministerial and yeah there are definitely legal remedies uh, that schiff has to the to the flagrant non-compliance that non-judicial review um, provision is sort of beside the point here okay so <clears throat> then it seems that because i think what i had read was that the something about dni action cannot be is precluded from judicial review actually dni action right. but i think that that's that's just wrong just wrong okay the, the provision says inspector general inspector action. general okay uh and then so th- apparently the whistleblowers hired a lawyer 
and a good one. Yes, uh, and the um, ICIG, which is what what I call the Intelligence Community Inspector General, is acting like he he's for getting this information out, but he's feel it feels like he's being threatened with prosecution or some sort of punishment because he, he's being he's being very careful not to step outside of the four corners of this law. So. And knowing that, and then also with the whistleblower uh, also being very careful about this, what do you think? What ramifications does this action of the White House and and the DNI have on future whistleblowers? Yeah, I mean, completely. There is. Um, I'm a I'm a whistleblower lawyer. I still do some private practice with Constantine Cannon. My partner Eric Havian wrote about exactly this. It's currently in the Post. Look, you know, all that the whistleblower statute here provides is protection against reprisal. Other ones provide, you know, a, a financial reward and, and the like. And you, you have to think that a future whistleblower will be sitting there doing the cost-benefit calculation, and it's changed quite a bit. The protection sa- seems rock solid, but now you have, you know, you already have today the president of the United States tweeting to the effect that this is some deep state thing by a partisan Democrat, you know, if he if he even knows about the whistleblower. So you can anticipate that as can this whistleblower some kind of, you know, McCabe treatment, which was career ending. So I think it would if this is let stand and it won't, but it would totally change the calculus and even that it will be reversed eventually that the, the the complaint will out i think the whistleblower will be protected nevertheless the next person has to think geez do i want to buy this uh, incredible trouble and uh you know maybe i maybe i just better keep my head down which by the way is a shame for everybody except donald trump yeah, and it's interesting you bring up his tweet about the whistleblower being partisan because he said, oh, I didn't read it, but a lot of people have read it. Everybody's read it. They're all laughing at it. Uh, but to say that the whistleblower is partisan indicates either he knows the whist- who the whistleblower is and that they're partisan or he's lying about knowing the whistleblower. Both are bad. Right. And isn't it classic? Tra- <laughs> it's sort of, it, I mean, if it weren't so infuriating, it would be, you know, rich and like cinematic. And there will be a movie on this. But it, first of all, here's this great Trump um, technique that's that, you know, is almost always false. Uh, the, the notion of, oh, it's not me. Everybody is saying this and you can believe it. This comes back to like the, the firing of Comey when he asserted 100 percent falsely that you know the the FBI rank and file was rejoicing he, he you know this is this is a sort of technique that goes back decades with him the, the false assertion of of public opinion yeah and back to your other point too uh, as far as you know retaliation or reprisal against the whistleblower a lot of folks are like well just start a GoFundMe and 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 they'll be okay uh, but it's not just about losing your job. I mean, uh, re- reality winners in prison right now. Uh, you you can go to prison. Yeah, so first, that's right. If you're not um, uh, shielded from uh, there, there would be the possibility without the whistleblower complaint here of Espionage Act liability, which is very broad. Now, there's a provision that says if Schiff subpoenas or otherwise you know force forces the whistleblower to testify he he can provide immunity 
the Justice Department can't stop it. They can comment on it, but they can't stop it. But there's a special provision in the law that says that insulates him from any criminal liability. So that much with his, as you say, you know, adept lawyer should be okay. But that's, you know, so so what? He'll simply lose his job and have his career ended <laughs> for blowing the whistle on truly alarming uh, behavior that, that, you know, potentially constitutes an impeachable offense. That's not a very... Uh, satisfactory outcome as as public policy goes. But I think he is probably safe. Of course, I might have said this about Andy McCabe, but I think he's probably safe from criminal process. Yeah, and I I just keep thinking of um, when I saw The Post, uh, the movie The Post, and that guy from the Rand Corporation who is sitting there surrounded (laughs) by boxes with the Pentagon Papers, and, and the guy's like, you could go to prison, and he's like, isn't it worth it? Like, and I'm not saying that this whistleblower well, I mean, should look, have that's that. That's the question. My gosh, this is a guy who's you know, for to all appearances, or woman, who just you know sees something alarming, and from everything we learn, it is alarming. Just wants it to be known to the proper channels, and this is the proper channels. We're just talking about congressional oversight by the chair of the Intelligence Committee. We're not talking about everybody in the country's knowing. And imagine, you know, the pressure that is now on him or her and the huge sort of public um, uh, battle or, or um, you know, Klieg lights kind of handling that he's bought for himself, which was the last thing he wanted, clearly. Yeah, so it's just a it's just a mess, Harry. Can you imagine? And, but, and the act itself by Trump is just it's just perfect, right? It's got everything. Yeah. And but and one other thing that it does have that the Mueller stuff didn't. All everything that came out in the Mueller report had been prefigured by good reporting and drips and drabs. This is happening for you know American uh, uh, you know followers in real time, and it's got all this shock of something happening in real time, and even the extra shock of knowing, my God, on top of everything else, how can he be so brazen having, you know, danced through the raindrops on a charge of colluding mm. with with Russia and having them involved in the election to just turn around and completely brazenly, I mean, he's now saying, as is Giuliani, who seemed to be like wigging out on TV the other day, oh, no problem here, Why, move along. And, you know, there's nobody, I think, who who would um, concur with that sunny assessment. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's coming out all at once. It's not shielded by a very tight-lipped organization like the special counsel, Robert Mueller's, uh, you know, office. And it's and that's why we're doing the hearings about the Mueller report now is because that didn't come out when it happened. Uh, so if people ask you, like, oh, what are these hearings? It's a do-over. It's not. Uh, And it's especially not since when the findings of the Mueller report came out, they were precluded by not precluded. They were uh, preempted and spun by a a corrupt attorney general. So that's kind of where we're at now. So people have said uh, some remedies for this. Appoint a special counsel. Never going to happen. Has to be appointed by the attorney general. Plus, will take so long. Yeah. And do you want to wait? I don't want to wait. No, this belongs in Congress. Um. Another thing you can do is criminal contempt. But again, that's a referral to the Department of Justice. They aren't going to do that, I don't right. think. Anything that goes has to go up through uh, Bill Barr is a dead end. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, is the DNI acting hmm. criminally? You know, that's okay. Yeah, true. That would be hard to prove. Uh, especially since he got 
information and direction from the DOJ and the White House to not report. So he was under direction. Uh, I'm not sure how he can square following an unlawful order, but he maybe he's got direction. It it, it would make a criminal case very hard. Uh, Then we have inherent contempt. And this is an old (laughs) thing. uh, And uh, somebody put a big threat out about it. Like when he when he comes in the DNI on September 26th, they should demand the thing. Here's here's the sequence of demand the thing. If he doesn't give over the thing, say, do you refuse to give over the thing? If he says, I refuse to give over the thing, then have the sergeant in arms detain him and and incarcerate him until he agrees to give over the thing. And apparently that's something called inherent contempt that the Congress has. Uh, How um, likely is that? Zero. Um, But I mean, so it is interesting that it exists. So the idea would be they would, you know, frog walk him to the there is this quaint little jail cell. It's like out of Andy of Mayberry or something, but in the in the actual pit of of uh, of the Congress. And, you know, Congress has it, but it hasn't been used in over 100 years. You know, it's not it's one of these things that have fallen prey to desuetude, which, you know, fancy legal term for just dis- misuse. Um, but for that very reason, it itself would would be uh, prey to so many legal challenges and the like. Basically, it's considered a dead letter and a quaint footnote of history. Forget that one. Yeah, I think the argument um, for people who want it, though, is that, oh, really? So it's not used that often or it's not in the norm or it's not, you know, common. Uh, What about the nine million things that Trump has done that are not common, not in the norm and haven't been used ever, for example? Like I see the temptation and the 30 second fun of having the DNI marched into this little jail. But habeas corpus. You don't have to march him into that little jail. Right. I mean, you could you can detain him in any any. No, that's what, what this means when when they when you talk about inherent contempt is literally congress's power to kind of act as an executive at once and yeah that means they jail them in their little at least that's what it has always meant how else are they going to detain them hold them by you know gunpoint in the well of wasn't the, somebody at a hotel wasn't somebody detained at a hotel for a while detention and and i mean Anytime somebody is prevented from leaving, they are technically detained. But, you know, if you're actually using inherent contempt, you are incarcerating that person. And by the way, that's exactly what habeas corpus is for. And, you know, and they would go to the judge, bring me the body. And and McGuire would be out by nighttime. Damn it. (laughs) That one just sounded so good. Yeah. Uh, then there's something called mandamus. Uh, well, well, let, me, let me go to the third first, if I might, because there's always three ways of going with contempt. The first one... Oh, the judicial review? Yeah, but and what that is, I mean, it's been for a while that the executive has said, even though the statute seems to say when you refer it to us, we have to respond, they've said, we don't. You can't constrain our discretion that way. It's been for over 100 years that inherent contempt is a dead letter. So the way these always go is... You hold someone in contempt. This is what happened to Harriet Myers. This is what happened to Eric Holder in Fast and Furious. You hold someone in contempt. Based on that finding of contempt, you bring an action in the district court. That That is not only viable, but the only viable, but the, the much exercised uh, option and the sort of more likely one. Okay, so this isn't criminal contempt. Right. You you go there, you you say this guy's in contempt unless he does X, Y, Z. Here's the order of Congress that he is refusing. And the district court says, yep, it looks like he's in contempt, which is a little bit 
elevated. It's a little bit he's, he knows it. He's done it on purpose, etc. Yep, he's in contempt. You have to do this. And there aren't criminal penalties. It's true. But the, but the courts order the release. Uh, or not the release. Again, it's so important here. Order the transmission to the Intelligence Committee chair of the complaint. Now, is this separate from Schiff filing a lawsuit to force the DNI to hand it over, or is this the same? Is the it... short answer is it's the same. Now, okay, you, you just, just mentioned contempt... the M word, and so okay. we can see different forms that the that the lawsuit could take. But when people say file a lawsuit, that's what they mean. And of course, in that lawsuit, the executive branch can assert its um, uh, privilege or whatever Article mm-hmm. Two defenses and can actually come forward with not in the abstract, but actually what why this complaint. Uh, presents classified information or whatever. It would be reviewed in camera by a court. But yes, the short answer is when people say, why doesn't we'll shift sue? This is the kind of suit that's been brought in the Ways and Means Committee and the uh, uh, dust up and the, and the like. But is there is there another option for the lawsuit? And you've mentioned mandamus. There's been chatter about that on Twitter. It seems right. Um, again, yeah, it I, sounds really cool, doesn't it? Doesn't I, I like. Am- I want to get a, a mandamus right. wrapped in an inherent contempt, totally, and then, and, and then and, put and it and in a course, burrito and eat it. <laughs> and listeners of uh, Mahler, she wrote, who who already have the equivalent of at least a year of law school, may already know that's the action that was in Marbury versus Madison, an order to you know this is non discretionary. You have to do it. Uh, you have to give Marbury his commission. We want a writ of mandamus, which is basically an order that says, you know, just do this. And the famous ruling in Marbury versus Madison was, yeah, it seems like a good case for mandamus, but we, Supreme Court, can't bring it because the statute doesn't, the statute purports to give us appellate jurisdiction. That conflicts with the Constitution. Constitution rules, haha, judicial review is instituted even as the the other side wins. That's a, that, a quick uh, detour, but back here, mandamus, it sounds good, non-discretionary, it seems like what it's for. It's really funky, it's very rarely used, and it has to, you have to show all kinds of ways in which other paths can't be taken under the so-called All Writs Act. And I can just tell you, that it is not straightforward. It would be tied up in a lot of arcane constitutional challenges, not about (laughs) whether it lies, mandamus, but whether it's the proper vehicle here. And that might wind up taking more time than everything else. So for my Uh, money, if I'm Schiff's counsel, and by the way, he's got a great one, Doug Leiter, who came over from the Department of Justice, my advice would be do the, the, what is now the plain vanilla uh, contempt route uh, in the district court. Yeah, the lawsuit, contempt the lawsuit. Exactly, yeah, find contempt because based on that suit. Because then you can just get quick to a court order to turn it over. Appeal, 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 back down, back down, court order, you have to hand over the stuff. Yes, As opposed although, to what you said, you can get quick, I think that's right, but then appeal, no, appeal, quicker, appeal. quicker than mandamus. Well, prob- it depends whether mandamus would be tied up in, in, const- in different kinds of arguments. But I just want to say, Trump you said would tie it exactly it right. Um, uh, a quick order, but then you said quick order, appeal, 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 and, and then you get it. I think it's really quick order, 
appeal. It's like yeah, the, sloth the appeals in, are sloth. Uh, Zootopia. <laughs> appeal. And I'm sure they, I'm sure they appeal. would file to, right. to hit the schedule faster now, uh, based on right. the urgency and, or whatever. And I don't petition know. for cert and everything, and maybe it is a cert worthy issue. So we really are again talking about. I think it's as fast as we go, but we are again talking about months. Yeah. In the meantime, however, we'll get it all by Thursday. Well, the the, the uh, day in day out, the information is coming, yeah. and there's the possibility From of it being presented and, yeah. in another way, and actually forming a true impeachment. I mean, there's a there's a scenario here where the House Judiciary Committee, boom, uses this to vote out articles of in, of impeachment, and either no trial occurs because the you know, or at least a formal board, impeachment resolution. If it does. The big thing we've been waiting for forever, and the sons of bitches in the Senate, excuse me, I don't do this on my own podcast, mm. don't do, the Senate Republicans have to, are forced to take some position, are forced to mm -hmm. defend this instead of being silent. That, I think, is becoming a political imperative. I think this episode has shifted me, as it were, over to the Nadler shift side and away from the Pelosi side. It's time and politically sound, given this, for an impeachment resolution. And you're saying to go boom articles of impeachment or boom resolution to open a formal impeachment inquiry first? I'm basically saying, the well, I mean, you got to go methodically, but I'm saying, yeah, I mean, I think it is impeachable. You voted out maybe with other things. And again, Tribe has this interesting position of that doesn't mean you have to have a, a uh, trial. But I don't know. I think a trial here is now salutary because I want Senate Republicans and I think both you know, small p politically, but also for the body politic, it's really useful and important to make them respond. It's, it's just ridiculous. It's, you know, it's like December 8th, 1941, and half of the Senate is staying silent. What the hell is their answer to this presidential conduct? Yeah, and I think and to either get that information to vote on the articles of impeachment more quickly than all these other remedies. That's right. Uh, we'll either get it from journalists. Uh, That's right. Or maybe 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 Schiff might subpoena him and provide immunity. That could be a way to get it pretty pretty fast. Probably if he'll cooperate. But let them let them try to challenge whether the facts happened. I don't think that's yeah. a very good uh, argument for them. All right, I agree. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Mm -hmm. Check out the Talking Feds Pod with uh, our our good friend here, former U.S. Attorney, former Deputy Assistant. Attorney General Harry Littman. Harry, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, and thanks for being a supporter of the of the podcast. It's really menchy of you. It's a, it's a great, great podcast. You guys really should listen. It's got all my favorite former U.S. attorneys on it. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thank you so much, Harry Littman. What a great guy. And uh, that is our show. Yeah. How, any final cool. thoughts? Anything going I on? I like this episode. Um, I'll just plug my side projects. Got the Racial Model Show and the Jaleesa Johnson Show coming up. That'll be next month. Yeah, when does uh when does Rachel Meadow come out? That'll be tomorrow because I'm starting to do interviews now, so it's like oh sweet expanding. So yes, Sunday, yes. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Really, whenever I get around to it for that one, but we'll the sell you the whole show. seat, but you only need the edge. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Cool. I got nothing. What were you going to say? That Teresa Johnson. <laughs> oh, show? just that it will be more on a schedule. That's like a whole like polished project, and the Rachel Maddow show is like my playground. Nice. So yeah, just tune into both if you can. Thank you. Cool. That's awesome. What Sorry, do you think? Thanks, dude. Cut you off. No, you're fine, and uh, you don't have nothing. You got tons of stuff, but you're just not at the moment thinking of anything in particular. Yeah, I mean, I mostly just like focus on stand-up stuff outside of this, mm -hmm. but I am developing my own podcast. Very nice. October 23rd, we're going to be at Venice Underground Comedy. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a ways away, but. 
Totally. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I'm excited yeah. to hear your philosophical projects coming up. Yes, Thank yes. you. Jordan's not so confused, guys. <laughs> You'll find I know, it. I need to change my Twitter handle, okay. but hey. Jordan Coburn is taken, so. <laughs> just like Jenny Cohn. What's up, guys? We got to get all these original people together and just buy out there. Yeah. Oh, they're cool, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have things. They need their handles. I asked for mine. Uh, I oh. found that somebody had mine and hadn't been using it for a long time, so I used their email address that was listed, and I contacted there them, and know. I asked if I could have it. See, and that's she said, yeah, so That's smart. exactly what I'm thinking. If they're not using it, dude. <clears throat> but I like Jordan's Confused, too, because it's cute. I do, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I do, too. But then, then you can just do a whole bit about it, how you're not confused anymore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Jordan's woke. Jordan's woke. <laughs> the awakening. You can be woke and confused. That is also true. Mm-hmm. The more woke, the more confused you get, really. <laughs> so many things to remember. It's like, yeah, racism. What? I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Um, excellent reporting from everybody. Thanks to Amanda Reader. And uh, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller, she wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Feds favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond, plus sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. M-S-W Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom 
how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is lawyers, guns, and money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.